Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. My guest today is the inimitable Carissa Schumacher, forensic medium and Yeshua channel, who is back for her third visit to the podcast. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies in the country, which seems well-deserved as they use only clean, premium ingredients in their formulas, which means no seed oils, no fillers, no additives, and no artificial ingredients. I really like Symbiotica because many of their formulations are liquid or liposomal, which means that you can literally squirt a pouch of their vitamin C into your mouth and head out the door. It's legitimately delicious. Or if it's their vanilla cream flavored magnesium, you can squirt a pouch into your mouth, brush your teeth, and go to bed. No sleepy girl mocktail required. They have a delicious berry flavored bioavailable B12 that you simply pump into your mouth, along with a citrus berry flavored glutathione, an adaptogenic brain health blend that's vanilla chai flavored, and pretty much everything else that you're likely looking for in the vitamin aisle to add to your routine. Though you don't actually need to find a vitamin aisle because Symbiotica ships straight to your door via subscription, which amplifies the convenience factor. Essential for me when it comes to establishing routines that I can set and forget. This year is your year. Are you ready to feel the results? Head over to symbiotica.com and use code THREAD for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. That's symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com and use code THREAD for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media. I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity, investigating the world and asking a lot of questions. In this show, I chat with culture-defining leaders, thinkers, and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct. This is the time where it's kind of like the things that we didn't get right, we need to start fixing. Not fixing, I would say, but opening up to new paths of exploration because we clearly we've learned at this point that we can't keep doing things the way that we have in the past for our environment, for social rights, workers' rights, children's rights, reproductive rights, the whole thing. We need to make some shifts in order to sustain our evolution with the progress that we want to make. So we kind of all need to take a bit of a reset and a pause I have said for some time, and this is why I'm excited about 2023 and these next couple of years, I have said that there is absolutely nothing that would get resolved while Pluto is still in Capricorn. So says Chrissa Schumacher. This is Chrissa's third visit to Pulling the Thread. I highly recommend listening to our introductory conversation called My Spiritual Teacher if you're new to Chrissa's work. In it, we talk about how we came into each other's orbits through a miracle, I would argue, and how her presence has deeply affected the last few years of my life. 
In today's conversation, we dive right into Yeshua's recent transmissions. And yes, when Carissa says Yeshua, she's talking about Jesus, or more specifically, Christ consciousness, or what she calls the energy of peace. I know this sounds odd, but Yeshua, who we'll refer to as a he to keep things simple, says throughout the transmissions, know me not as I was, but as I am. The content he delivers is universal, deeply applicable to our lives today, and certainly not attached to any formal religious culture or system of faith. Krissa is not the only one who channels him, and part of the message is that it's up to each of us to connect to him ourselves. I find his transmissions full of revelations and profound wisdom, insights that I can immediately apply to the way I conceive and understand the world around me. In today's conversation, we cover a lot of ground. Krissa dives into the difference between creativity and productivity, between wisdom and knowledge, and we talk about the seven ways Yeshua says we can recognize power that comes from shadow, and how, like a switchboard, these old era energies are being switched off and will no longer work in the coming era. Speaking of that coming era, Krissa also talks about what it means that Pluto is leaving Capricorn and the changes we will begin to see. If you want a grounding in these teachings, I highly recommend Krissa and Yeshua's book, The Freedom Transmissions, which is eight Yeshua transmissions Krissa channeled over the course of a week several years ago. And if you want to experience this work in community, I highly recommend attending one of Krissa's journeys. They are life-changing events. Her website is thespirittransmissions.com. And for more on Krissa, I've written about a lot of these transmissions in my newsletter and on my website, which you can find at elislunan.substack.com. Okay, this is a long one, so let's get to it. At the beginning of this year, Yeshua of 2022, Yeshua announced to us all that the theme of this year was going to be revelation. And I think that we were all like, yay, revelation, <laughs> wonderful, bring it on. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to clarify some things about revelation this year because what is revealed through the course of things may be some very difficult truth that needs to rise to the surface or some confrontations with structures in your life from professional to friendships to family members that might place you in that position of discomfort because that truth is going to reveal that possibly a change is necessary. So I think we're all a little bit bruised and beaten at the end of this year, but all along, he's given us some really wonderful tools like the September offering on resilience and the October offering on divine power to assist us through that. But fear not, finally moving into 2023, which is the year where the big Pluto transition happens, a transition that hasn't happened in 248 years. And really the focus of this year is realization. And realization and revelation are not the same thing. Revelation may bring up the change. It may bring up an intuition. It may bring up a discernment. But it's the realization that is really the energy that kind of shows us why the changes that we made are are necessary. So people, at least those that have been holding in there and practicing resilience and continuing to draw back into peace and to trust and into faith 
this year, there will be a little bit more validation as well as I would say a sense of direction in terms of where things are going, both personally as well as as globally as we go along. Right. All right. So <laughs> we don't always choose these things, but sometimes they happen for us even as we kick and scream. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, each year since every year since he, you know, first came through at the end of 2019, I've actually chosen to focus each year on a different chamber of the Sacred Heart. So mm. in 2020, I focused on surrender because the four chambers are uh, simplicity, stability, surrender, and stillness. And Yeshua had said and spirit had really just, just conjured in me this sense of wanting to focus on surrender in 2020. Wow. <laughs> a lot of very painful lessons surrounding surrender. <laughs> and then in 2021, I focused on simplicity. And I thought that simplicity was going to be super easy for me. I have a very simple lifestyle. I've simplified the structures of my life considerably in order you know, to serve as a forensic medium and, and channel. But Yeshua had said at the beginning of 2021 that we would be having a, a lot of confrontations with the areas in our life that were chaotic. And really the whole year was about restoring the energy of simplicity through our breath, through our lifestyles. And then 2022 was stability. So this whole last year, from the very beginning, Yeshua said that we would be having a little bit of a quote unquote shit show to really show us what would be revealed to us are the aspects of the world, the aspects of our lives, the aspects of relationships that are not stable that are houses possibly that are built on sand instead of that bedrock of that foundation of faith and balance and harmony. And without stability, it's really impossible almost to even just survive within the horizontal, but it's also very, very difficult to be able to consciously return to that vertical access and to really anchor ourselves in that stable origin where we know what we are, we know who we are, we trust the process, and we allow ourselves to move through the evolutions that we need to move through. And so that only leaves one more. 2023 is all about stillness. There's going to be a lot of cacophony still happening with media and rights and politics and the financial worlds and this year is so important to anchor. It's, it's important to do what you need to do or to create this space to really anchor yourself into the stillness because there's going to be a lot of talking happening mm -hmm. within the external worlds, even within our own minds as we move through certain changes, certain challenges, and anchoring in our stillness is what will allow us to really be able to listen, not just to what our mind wants or even sometimes what our heart wants, but to listen to that infinite symphony of the light, 
our intuition, our spirit. As we're moving into 2023, this is the first year come March of this year, March 23rd, 2023, that we're finally in the structure of the new era. We've been talking about this for decades and certainly over the past couple of years, but this is a time where those who are really able to drop into that stillness to remember the vertical, they will have access to a lot of the downloads, the new frequencies of consciousness that are spilling throughout the vertical as really the light is redistributed throughout the earth and and the people and the light holders, these vessels that we are of spirit and light experiencing a human reality. Mm. So the way that you just articulated those four, do you think that those were cultural themes for everyone? Or are we all experiencing one of those four things? Are we experiencing them concurrently? I'm sure. on the same track as you, I think, but. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's why you found me right out of the gates. But um, certainly there are, these were the ones that I was guided to, um, you know, just to choose from my intuition. But as a, as a psychic medium, I'm always, I always have my pulse on the collective movements because I need to, in order to kind of see what, is aligning for different people and to really understand and be able to anchor whatever energy Yeshua needs me to for the transmissions. So these were ones that I was just in, intuitively guided to choose at the beginning of the year. These are collective ones, but as an individual, 2020, 2020 may have been your simplicity year and 2023 maybe your stability year. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a very personal, we, we don't just want to pick one and neglect all of the others because all of these chambers of the sacred heart are important to cultivate. But I've just found that it's a little bit difficult sometimes to tackle all of them at once. So for me in my process, I like to focus on one thing and allow that to be the highlight because I don't want to be trying to master 14 different things without without giving each the process that it really merits with regards to evolution. Yeah. I mean, you had said you've said many things to me and to groups over the years that stick with me, but in light of what you just said too, when you've talked or Yeshua, I don't even I don't know who your vibration must be higher than what you create. Otherwise, you cannot manage it. That is something I go to all the time in terms of this conversation of simplicity, silence, surrender. And I think we're all learning that lesson, right? Like we, we've lost, we've lost the reins on the horse to go to my favorite for, <laughs> but we can't manage, right? We're not, we're not, most of us are not in a position of managing what we're creating collectively certainly. But is that, I feel like these are good reminders when we have that feeling of losing, losing the plot. Right. Well, this year, and I, I just want to pause for a moment because we've kind of hurdled into <laughs> <life>. <laughs> Not surprised. 
But, um, you know, I, I guess we can do this a little bit more non-linearly and you can have a little bit of creative fun of kind of piecing, you know, this, this time together as it is, but specifically with regards to what you just offered, I was reminded of this uh, series that Yeshua offered to us this year. And I, I also touched on it within some of my own offerings and this really spills nicely into some discussion about what the meaning of this planetary transition is, and specifically what it means for Pluto to be moving into Aquarius, which really lands us into the age of Aquarius, which songs have been sung about for a long time. <laughs> but in the, in the midst of this revelation year, Yeshua really surprised me because I, I never know what, what he's going to offer, but he really kicked us into gear. And I almost felt like we were in like, like true cosmic boot camp through certain portions of this year. But in June, he started to introduce us to this uh, warrior series, what it means to be a divine warrior of life, because he said that it's not enough for we as light holders to be in the defense on the defensive anymore. And I, I see that some of the time where, you know, it's almost like there's two separate lives. We have our spiritual communities and we're doing our own inner work or we're working with a therapist or you know, yoga instructor or a healer. But there's so much of that that almost feels like it needs to be withheld. And and there certainly is so much judgment out there with you know, your woo-woo and all of that sort of language that is really quite dismissive of someone's personal process. Nevertheless, he began this series on the warrior of the light, and he introduced it in June with an incredible discussion about the energy of betrayal. And I wondered for quite some time why, why betrayal wasn't one of the seven sins or missings of the mark and then I really realized that betrayal is kind of the root of it all touching all the way back to Genesis and some of the creation stories and it's that that rift that separation that perceived separation between the light and the human the vertical and the horizontal it originated in a sense of of betrayal even back in Genesis story God felt betrayed, Eve felt betrayed, Adam felt betrayed, and that really created that splintering or that rift. So in this warrior series, he began almost really from that origin and the beginning, and he brought us through really an, an explanation in a sense of with like actual concrete, not rules, but almost a bit of a structure or a credo for us as light holders as those in the path of consciousness to not start maybe being more aggressive with regards to speaking and sharing our experiences but not allowing that fear of failure or unworthiness or maybe I haven't taken enough classes or I haven't learned enough or I'm not a writer how could I write a book and just some of this defeatist type of language the rules and this credo and this credo that he that he's been giving us and i believe will continue to create a pathway for us to really feel safe and held as we move forward 
And this one, <laughs> the, the ricochet of the words that you just mentioned when he said that what you create, you will, your vibration needs to be higher than what you create. Otherwise, you can't sustain and manage that. He touched on this several times in the discussion and in this warrior series. And one of the, um, he kind of, <laughs> I know that you do this too, and it's just part of the beautiful essence of, of Yeshua Elise, <laughs> the Christ <laughs> essence within you, the Sophia essence as well. But he does these, these lists of almost like verses. And I don't mean verses like song verses, like verses with an S-U-S at the end. This versus that. Mm. This versus that. Because sometimes what we tend to do is we take these words that have very, very different frequencies and energetics and we smoosh them together. For example, revelation and realization. These are two very, very different things. The revelation, they reveal to you aspects of things that are possible, certain sense of, of direction, certain things that may need to shift or change, but it's the realization when all the different moving parts start coming together. So he almost, in a sense, like adds detangler to some of these smushed, smushed words to help us make the distinction between the vertical and the horizontal. For example, creativity, creating versus producing mm. was one that he introduced in December. And we need to be very careful because it's part of really the old era and more of like a masculine, certainly like a Capricorn type of dynamic to focus on the producing. We've got to produce, produce produce and the producing is really what comes along that that vertical we want to if we have a creative impulse we want to create something and we create and we spill it and we hope that it's going to be productive in some way to our lives to others but when the focus is on produce 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 we can start to lose that creativity and the creativity is really the flow of that inspiration that comes from the vertical creative ideas, creative concepts, possibilities, art, science. There's some creative spark that leads to an inspiration and then it produces something within the external. But when we're not tuned in or bringing awareness into that creativity or what we're creating, we're doing from ego, we're doing from shadow, we're doing from fear, it actually winds up producing great harm. And this reminded me a lot about the example that you've used for your vibration needs to be higher than what you create, otherwise you can't manage it. Technology. I personally, <laughs> maybe this is just me, I personally don't think that Mark Zuckerberg and some of the tech executives were sitting around in a room thinking about how they could manipulate and warp the brain of teenagers. Maybe that came later, I don't know. But there was this creative spark that came, this is a possibility. However, what it wound up producing when the produce more, produce more, 
stocks involved, money involved, it became very diluted and tarnished from that real pure creativity of, say, perhaps a social media company that just helps people to to connect to one another and to share with one another. So we need to be a little bit careful about that. He also did one on, um, oh, this was, this was a favorite. Oh, man, did this kick, kick me in the ass. Inspiration versus motivation was another one. These are also things that we sometimes smush together and it can almost create an energy field of anxiety or impatience. Inspiration, like creativity, very much flows from the vertical. Something is revealed, something pops open, and all of a sudden, there's this inspiration. Ah, I would love to help this person. I would love to get involved in this cause. Inspiration is one of the two parts of our intuition. There's only two parts, inspiration and discernment. The discernment is a little bit more of the healthy shadow aspect of our intuition that just says, "Mm, pause, maybe explore this a little bit more. But the inspiration is just that light form of our intuition that it's like, ah, this is possible. But then it's sometimes difficult to summon the motivation to spill it into the horizontal. And so those of you that have felt very inspired to do things, but maybe over the course of the fall, just weren't motivated at all to get things started, too much happening within the world. I don't want to, you know, go into my savings to start a new company or whatever it was in a personal way. There's this rift between the two and those can only the inspiration and knowing when and maybe when not to move it into the horizontal from the vertical. That is really what he wove us through within some of this series. But in the world with regards to societal pressures and the expectations of the seen world as opposed to the unseen world, There's a lot of that focus on motivation, 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 get motivated. You should be motivated to do this. And so we've created this structure where there are people that are inspired, but not motivated to move new ideas, new ways of being, new consciousness. And then we have people, and for some people, it's actually both, that they're motivated maybe to stay in their jobs, they're making a salary, they need to pay the bills, very, very understandable. They're motivated, but they're not inspired at all. Mm -hmm. And that creates, it starts to create such a pain cycle where you almost feel kind of stuck in a sense where you're motivated for survival, for safety reasons, but there's almost no joy inherent to it. It starts to feel more like servitude than service through joy, in a sense. And so what I've really been focusing on with a lot of folks is 
And of course, you can do this on your own to those that are listening. But be careful when you're in a situation where you're kind of motivated to stay in it, but it's more about fear, not to get impatient with where's the inspiration, trying to resurrect the inspiration that's just not there. When you're in one of those cycles, A, you're not stuck, you're just gestating. That was something that Yeshua shared in December. You're not stuck. When things are not moving fast enough, materializing fast enough, you're not stuck, you're gestating. And there's all this pressure in the external. Now, 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 got to do it now, got to work it out now. This should be paying off now. And we almost feel shame if it doesn't happen, if things don't come together on this bizarre external construct of a timeline that is not divine and it's not really what is defined by our own spirit. But there's that pressure that's there. During periods of integration, you're not stuck, you're gestating. And that moment will always come where an inspiration comes to light. You read something, you hear a story, suddenly you're inspired, and that inspiration spills over into the motivation to get involved with something. But be a little bit careful about creating a lot of expectations surrounding that that exploration. So for example, really the mindset within the world, the energy field that we've created as a collective is lose the motivation, switch to another job, go do something over here, blow it all up and then go over here. And sometimes, and this is very much a part of this movement into the era of Aquarius and into this year of 2023, which is really a whole new cycle that we're beginning. Exploration without expectations. Exploring new ways when you're in those kind of ruts of feeling motivated to do things out of fear and feeling a little bit of stuck. Or if you're in the energetic of feeling a lot of inspiration, creative ideas, journaling all the time, but just not being completely motivated to move it into the horizontal, explore. Without expectations, one of the things that I, that I said to a cherished relation of mine a couple of months ago when she was going off about all the reasons why this creative idea that was absolutely genius, why she wasn't ready, why she didn't have the motivation. And I said to her, let's not decide what things are going to be. Mm-hmm. Let's not decide that just yet. Because the minute that we do, we're not in the love trust spigot we're in the control fierce thing that is all about control and so we need to kind of disarm and bring things back to that anastasis that return to the origin which is the point of intersection where we're able to listen 
and receive what we need to from the vertical and yet also have the faith and the trust to move yeah. it into the horizontal in a balanced way. But in order to maintain that balance, which is really what you were speaking to in the beginning, we need to remember that evolution is more important than progress. Mm -hmm. That was one of the other verses, E-E-R-S-U-S, -E -S -S, that he's done in the past. We've been focusing so much on the scene, the horizontal progress, progress, progress. But we haven't evolved to the space we're even able to manage that, in a sense. Technology is a really good example. It's like we had all of this other stuff, all of these other expectations. And then over the past 20 years, we've added technology onto that. And our brains have barely even evolved. Our bodies, our circadian rhythms have not even completely evolved to the level in which we're utilizing and making all of this progress. So we need to slow down. And it seems, you know, evolution is not the fun part at least not to the brain or the ego. The ego wants to see the progress, progress, progress. But evolution is more important. In evolution, when you are really evolving in this past year, was a big evolution year. There can be periods of time where you feel like you have devolved. Why am I having all of these thoughts? Why is everything getting crazy? I've been doing all of this work. And it's one test after the other. Everything that each and every person went on this planet went through this year was to evolve us. And we need to evolve to that upgrade to be able to move into the energetics of the new era. Those, however, that are on a path of consciousness not spirituality, not religion, not all of that other stuff, but those that are truly, truly in their heart, allowing for that essence of divinity, the Christ essence, the Sophia essence, and kind of allowing the divine to take our hands and just pull us into whatever we need to be pulled into. That's an evolution mm. that will, at the end of the day, result in sustainable progress. It's mm. beautiful. So many things to say. I mean, one, the etymology of decide is to cut off. So I think in our, as you mentioned, like in our fear control spigot, we limit what's possible. And then thinking about the Mark Zuckerberg Facebook example, I think one vertical access company seems to be Apple. And I know that there were a lot of that he Steve had a huge ego and I'm not condoning all of his behavior, but there's something about the inspiration and creation of that company and the simplicity I think with which they operate where they're not crashing into these same they seem to have more guardrails. So I just wanted to offer that as a as a they're not trying to catch up with what they've made. It feels like there's been a consciousness attached to it from the beginning. Then I just wanted to sort of put a pin, or not put a pin, but sort of take us down this road going back even earlier when you were talking about sort of light holders and and vessels. And, the, and so much of what Yeshua says, and the reason that I love it so much, is that 
he's not speaking to us as ascetics in caves. And that's not the message, right? The message is not to disengage with life and go be a hermit or a monk and meditate. It's not to cloister ourselves away. It is exactly what you're talking about. How do you take the vertical, spill it into the horizontal? How do you stop compartmentalizing these parts of yourself from your sort of material everyday existence. And then you have your spiritual life or you go to church once a week, but how do you live it in a way that's not separate and also not, I don't, the word's not sacred, but because sacred, I love that word, but not sort of siphoned off or confessional. I don't know. Like hopefully people understand what I'm trying to say and I'm struggling to say, but I just wanted to add to that. And then maybe we can talk about, do you want to talk about power or community? Uh, <laughs> what do you want? To, or do you want to talk about Aquarius? Yeah. Do you... <laughs> Let's go for it. We'll do it all. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? It's always, so I've known for a while that at some point there was going to be an offering on power. And I was like, just please don't let it be October. Please don't let it be October. <laughs> and then in October, when I came back to consciousness after bringing him through and everyone was like, oh, we talked about power. I was like, oh, here we go. But, you know, it was it was just perfect that he did that right after the series that he did on resilience and, and on the September journey. And you know, some of the take homes from the September journey, just, you know, for those of those, those of you that haven't listened to some of the transmissions, at some point, I will figure out technology enough to make them publicly available. But I'm a very, very slow arthritic turtle when it comes. To I'm holding my breath, or I won't <laughs> hold my breath. 20 years later. <laughs> maybe Apple can help <laughs> But okay, so the resilience just to, he reminded us in September that very often we think of these words as, as like one frequency and one energy. And in some ways resilience is, however, there are many, many different facets to some of these very big frequency types of energetics. So resilience we can sometimes say, oh, I, I've got to be resilient today, or wow, he's a really resilient person. And he actually may be resilient in some ways, but not in other ways. Resilience has all of these different kind of arms and tentacles that we can reach toward at different periods in time. For example, adaptability is one of the aspects of resilience. And sometimes we just, we're in a new situation, we're in a new location, and we need to adapt to it. Like our body kind of catching up when we go into a new time zone. There are other times that we need to reach for elasticity. So elasticity, this was one of the ones that I thought was really fascinating when he explained it. He's like, you know, imagine working with your resilience with, with elasticity. It's allowing yourself to always snap back to that space of origin. 
So when you're going, if you're in a really hostile environment, an environment that, oh man, may drain you or cause you to like erupt or go into fear or ego mode, it's like elasticity is the is the ability to snap right back. Ooh, you know, I'm in kind of hostile territory, a lot of negative people in this room, a lot of density. Whew, snap right back. So that is an aspect of resilience that allows us to kind of stretch ourselves within horizontal, but also to always return to that space of present, even within our own, own brains. Sometimes our brains will take us way out here and the elasticity aspect of our very resilient spirit is letting go of that negative talk cycle that you know fear dialogue that i was having and i'm bringing it right back here elasticity is always is also very helpful for folks especially in kind of the early phases of their awakening process to keep them grounded within the horizontal instead of going too high into the vertical because sometimes what can happen, and I see this a lot with certain abuse of plant-based medicines, but I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I know. You you know my thoughts on it. We'll get into that today. People can go into these very high states and they don't ground themselves afterwards, or they're not able to snap back into the seen world so that they can access the unseen, but also basically function as a person or a being within the horizontal. And so what can happen is when someone is not really anchored within their resilience, that is elasticity, they can go way out here and keep going and keep going. And then they can wind up almost experiencing certain levels of, of psychosis or other issues that are really dangerous. So that elasticity, I'm using this as an example, is to bring us back to that origin. So that was, he He really unloaded resilience for us. And then he said something that was really important. He said that moving into, like this has already happened these past couple of years, but moving into these next couple of years, because there has been so much that has been suppressed that people have just kind of had to swallow down, whether it's shame or oppression or suppression, now, all of a sudden, we're starting to give each other permission to share all of this. Mm. There's just more of kind of this, this movement of all of this stuff rising to the surface. So that's why we're seeing a lot of combustibility within the collective conscious right now and all of these collisions as this expression is starting to move out of people and it's being embraced by some people, but not by other people so in this movement there's a lot of stuff going on with the story we see this all the time storyteller i need to tell my story i need to share my story and that sharing aspect is wonderful but there can also be certain attachments that start to happen to one story over mm -hmm. time and so that results sometimes in dynamics, even in certain like spiritual circles where someone keeps telling their story and telling their story and telling their story, but they're never really evolving from it. It's like they're attached to it. So what they can't connect to 
in that space in order to really make the shift to kick off the transformation that is required. When, when you're attached to your story, sometimes you have difficulty realizing the moral. Mm-hmm. And the moral of the story is what we really need to be looking to. We all have our individual stories, but what is the moral? The story is individual, moral is universal. And so to kick off the really the October journey, he talked a lot about knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is individual. Certain people know the same things. We all, you know, most of us know how to tie or in my case, Velcro my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Still learning. (laughs) Horizontal is a little tricky for me. But knowledge, what a rocket scientist knows is not maybe what a sculptor knows. Our knowledge set is very different. That's part of our story, how somebody experiences uh, trauma, maybe a little, that's all individual. It's part of your spirit. It's part of your biology. It's part of your upbringing. It's part of your conditioning, your patterning. But wisdom is universal. So for those of us that, or for those of you that really feel called to share your story, but in a way that is instrumental to other people, even if they had a very different story or experience than you, you've got to look for the moral and to not just embody this story. But a perfect example of this, victimhood, the story of victimhood. And I've been betrayed and living in that really kind of negative energy fields of the betrayed mindset. And that can be very, very tempting for the ego because then it can always be wounded and whoever on the external is always the wounder. And at a certain point, there needs to be the death of that kind of story or mindset and upgrade or evolution into the moral, which is that no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've explored, maybe that didn't work out so well in your life, there is always a resurrection that is possible. And it's through these different tiers of these deaths and resurrections that like Phoenix rising from the ashes, we realize more and more of our Christ essence. Mm. And he said in March, and I wanted to touch on this as we're kind of spilling over into power. He said that when you come to body, especially in our early life cycles, We are consciousness born, but not fully realized. And Mm -hmm. as we move through our various cycles, our various evolutions, all of these different experiences, as we awaken to the horizontal with each passing day, we are consciousness born and more fully realized. And so he likes to talk about the shadow or what we refer to as unconsciousness, that is such an unconscious person. He likes to refer to it more as realized and unrealized. There are just certain parts of us that are still unrealized, that we still can access, and we're not going to be able to access them until the time, the divine time is just right and not a minute more. 
So from that, he, he really spilled into power. And he talked about power a little bit like he talked about resilience, where he almost talked about power like a circuit board. But he said that there's two different types of power. There's kind of the unrealized human unconscious primal power. And he said that that form of power, the shadow form of power, which is really about the ego and dominance and its constant cycling need for revalidation because it needs to constantly validate its face of the illusion of its existence or importance or whatever else. He said that the, the shadow form of power, when we think about some throwing their power around or, you know, coming in manhandling in the boardroom or whatever else, <laughs> he said that that kind of power is really nothing more than an egoic projection of control. That's it. What we often think of, of, wow, that's a really powerful person. Usually it just means that they have a lot of control, either self-control, which can be a really good thing, or they have the ability to kind of control and influence others. The light form of power, and he said that the fuse on the ego power spigot, it has all of these little switches like anxiety, like doubt, like fear, like rage, like jealousy. And when we are not bringing consciousness into our power, true divine power, we will always default to the fear control power spigot. And all of a sudden, all of these little default power switches start getting turned on. And there are people who have who are in the path of their evolution and life cycle, who have a lot of the shadow switches turned on and a lot of the light power switches turned off. So they have a really short fuse, you know, defensive about absolutely everything. There's just a lot of fear there. And so these power switches are turned on to help that have a certain sense of control or self-importance within the world. And that's all right. We all have certain switches on and off. But he said, when you bring consciousness into this, you flick on all of these different light power switches, divine power switches. And he's like the light power, sovereign power is equal. Each of us has it. We simply just need to awaken to it in a sense. And when we bring consciousness, we are able to be powered by love, peace, truth, humility, compassion, acceptance. And so he worked with us a lot on kind of flipping the shadow ones off and flipping these on so that we can operate from the divine love, trust, spigot. Where trust is really the structure that allows us to feel safe enough within the world in the horizontal, instead of the fear control spigot. And then he said the words, <laughs> be careful what it is that you are powered by, because what it is that you are powered by is what you power. And this weaves back to your vibration needs to be higher than what you create, otherwise you can't manage it. You can have the most wonderful, creative, 
idea in the world to feed the hungry and rescue dogs. But if, if the vehicle that you are creating is powered by fear, if you are powered by fear and operating from that space of projection of control and impatience, then that's what you're going to produce. That's what you're going to power, not only in your own vehicles, but also just within the world in general. When you are powered by love, when you are powered by peace, you power the energy of peace. So, and I've seen this quite a bit, even within, you know, kind of this past ages creation of dominant structures, even in, in spiritual communities. There will be something where originally a person comes in, a spiritual practitioner or a facilitator, who really is powered by peace and inspiration and wisdom and powering that energy within their community. But then all of a sudden, as they kind of, more people start coming to them, they need to create an ashram, they're invited into media appearances. All of a sudden, it's a little bit of that sex, money, power. And if they're too in the horizontal and not tuning back in and evolving themselves in the vertical, all of a sudden, some of these switches turn off. And what turns on? Control, doubt, and that is what they are powered by. Impatience, frustration, and they wind up powering that within their community. And that can be very, very deeply traumatic to those that are within that community because it's all of a sudden gone from like light to shadow. And mm -hmm. for those of you that are in exploring different communities as you go forward, those are really things to look for. Yeshua brought us through a lot of the different elements of what to look out for with regards to kind of knowing that he gave us the seven ways that fear control kind of human shadow power gets projected throughout the world. There are only seven ways since the dawn of time. And then he also talked about some of the qualities of community to look out for, where there's a quality, where there's sharing, where there's even celebration, the ability for others to celebrate one another. Sometimes it almost seems like people don't always share with, with what it's like there's competition almost in, in hierarchies and what, and people are not celebrating even little achievements that maybe to you is not that big of a deal, but to that person, it's major. And that person mm -hmm. deserves to be recognized and celebrated with, you know, yeah. I know for in the early part of someone's awakening process, it's like, oh my God, I saw eight rainbows today and God <laughs> is speaking to me. And that's such an exciting moment in the awakening process where it's like this whole unseen world comes alive. And it's important to be able to share in those experiences and also to really be able to discern and recognize when there's gaslighting or just a lot of those shower those uh shower those power switches that are mired turned on before we get into a community in that list 
if you want to go there, which would be great. Just going back to power one, the homework that he gave us, I think is great for anyone to do. And we have a text chain going where we all every week, once a week, we every Sunday, we say what power we're working with. So whether it's joy or patience or gratitude, love, we proclaim it and then we work it. Not to say that we work it perfectly, but that was what he told us to do. Like you have to exercise these these like a muscle. And in some ways it it it's helpful cuz it displaces those other energies. And then didn't he say he was turning down all of our <laughs> shadow power anyway and it wouldn't really work? Well, and this is one of the reasons that the past couple of months kind of have been a shit show. And I'm, I feel very, I feel like we're very privileged to like have him explain why things are a shit show to a certain extent. But no, he said that in order to stave off the deepest manifestations of shadow that may actually completely cripple us from moving the new light codes into new era structures that what he said that what the divine is doing right now and Gaia is a big part of this is turning down the ability for our current controls to work any longer mm -hmm. so they're turning down the ability for these safety control mechanisms that we have to work. So, and we're seeing this everywhere. We see it within the stock market, the inflation. They don't know what to do because experts, none of the old controls, none of the old things that have worked in the past are working now. It's happening with environmental solutions. It's almost, and that's very scary when this, control-based structure when the controls that kind of kept things in place or kept people in place when that control starts to come down there's like a scrambling for that that control and right now we just have to accept that a we never wanted all of those controls and we need to accept a little bit of that discomfort and start to explore new solutions without expectation but he said that he was turning down our ability to and this is happening collect within the collective consciousness the ability for those shadow spigots to command as much power as, as they had in the past yeah <laughs> i just have to ask what was your stumbling block with the homework what there were mean? certain power switches, <laughs> the light power switches that I was like, man, this is going to be easy. And he chose us to only focus on one per week. And I think I, I forget which one I chose. The, oh, balance. I chose the first week to be powered by balance. Super easy. I'm like, I'm mastering this homework. <laughs> week two. Oh, God. I have not moved beyond my, the second one that I chose, which was acceptance. And Yeshua nailed it. Yeah. When he told J. Cal, he's like, there is a difference between acceptance and acquiescence. Yes. And I thought that I was always a very accepting person, accepting of what is, you know, I live very much within the present, but I found that I have this like 
little problem with acquiescence. So what I thought that I was an accepting person, but it's like, no, I'm an acquiescing person. And I do that to avoid conflict. And also because I like to serve and give to people, but I will sometimes just acquiesce. You know, somebody needs an emergency session and I need you right now because I got a paper cut, Carissa. And I'm like, I can't do this right now. Like we'll schedule something late, but then I acquiesce because I don't want to disappoint them. I want to avoid conflict. So I've had to, you know, and, and what was said is that acquiescence, acquiescing to an abusive partner, to a gaslighter, you know, just to avoid conflict or to get away from some of the discomfort, letting someone beat you up, letting your own mind beat you up, you know, or negative talk to beat you up. Acquiescence is basically acceptance minus divine power and courage. So we lose that divine power, that faith, that if we speak up for ourselves, that we'll be able to transcend it. And we're not acting from a place of courage when we're just acquiescing and letting people bully us or colleagues bully us or even family members bully us. That doesn't mean that we need to go in with guns blazing and, you know, just go into attack mode. That's not what we want. We need to accept what is, but not acquiesce if what is, is something that is not balanced, not kind, and not rooted in compassion. So that was mine. But what was your stuff? I'm laughing because I just looked back. I went with acceptance. And then the next week, I'm doing another week of acceptance. (laughs) struggled on acceptance. (laughs) And then I moved on, I think, to joy. No, I went to patience. But it's a really good practice. I highly recommend it. I don't know if I mastered acceptance, but I'll come back to it. This list of seven is just so good. And as you said, I've heard this list from him twice now, that this is as old as as old as time, right? He's seven. It's these are the seven since the dawn of time. And I'm going to try to recall this all, but I believe that the seven ways that human beings exert dominance or control. And this, there's a huge spectrum of this, by the way, from like the most deeply unconscious or unrealized shadow to, you know, just kind of minor little things along the way that you know, sometimes we all do because we have all utilized certain aspects of these seven over time. The first, I believe, was fear. Mm-hmm. Fear, isolation, persecution. And I believe that shame was in this category too. And so silencing. basically, and silencing, someone tries to scare you. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to thrive they are challenged by who it is that that they are by who it is that you are there can be a litany of different things but basically this is a person trying to scare you so a so a good example of this one that I'll use is let's say that a a, a woman or a man is in an abusive marriage she finally, or he finally musters up that courage to say, I'm leaving. 
I am not taking this anymore. The person may try the external person in order to control them or to stop them from moving along on their path may threaten to take their children away or to crumble their, or to ruin their reputation, or to hijack all of their friends so that the person is isolated, or they may try to silence them in some kind of a way. So we see this dynamic a lot, even with certain whistleblowers and, you know, in corporations and whatnot, they try to scare them into not speaking and can even try to persecute the person in order to isolate them so that they are not as much of a threat. Mm -hmm. That's the first. The second, I believe, was manipulation, gaslighting, and humiliation. So someone basically tries to kind of weaken, weaken your confidence, weaken your strength, and, or they try to kind of gaslight and manipulate. Yeshua placed this in the category of discouragement. They try to discourage you. And one of the ways that, you know, this is why gaslighting, which he said is like rampant within the world right now, I can see that. They kind of trick you into thinking that you're the one that's wrong. They call you crazy. They, you know, you come up with an idea and they cause you to doubt yourself. So it's basically trying to just kind of control by weakening or confusing the target or the victim. I believe that the third, oh, I didn't, I would not have thought of this one, but it's, it's pretty, it's great. Withholding is the third. Someone withholds from you. So a good example of this one is they withhold their emotions so that you're constantly having to try to race around them. If you behave like they want you to behave, you get love. If you somehow somehow do something that you want to do instead of what they want you to do, they withhold. They stop communicating with you. They completely shut down. This can even be, withholding can be, it can be something for certain people to do even with time. They'll withhold the amount of time or they'll constantly either miss appointments that they make or be serially late. And not for, you know, just like valid reasons that sometimes we're all late, especially me, but they, it's almost an assertion of my time is more important than your time. You get to talk to me when I want to talk to you. So like ghosting is a really good dynamic of that. And what the person that is experiencing this, what they start to feel is, you know, what's wrong with me? Why are they not communicating? What are they thinking? And so then they're placed right into that same fear control spigot. The next one, I believe, was bribery. Bribery or temptation. They try to bribe you. So, you know, settlements and lawsuits might be a good example of this. They, you're focused over here, you're going to do something that is going to expose them or bring shame to them or change to them. And so they'll do whatever to distract you to bring you over here. 
settling things so that you can't speak. A really good dynamic of this also is, you know, for, for victims of, of domestic abuse, and all of these seven are usually in the patterning and the energy field of a couple that is really deadlocked and, and spousal abuse. But sometimes after, say, beating, somebody beats their partner, the partner's really upset. I'm going to leave. We're not doing this anymore. You said that you would stop. And they'll go out and buy them like a diamond. Mm-hmm. And that all of a sudden distracts, oh, he does love me and he's finally given me the wedding ring. And it's almost like they get you, you're focused over here, you're clear, you're anchored in your strength, going to make the change. And then all of a sudden, that kind of confusion comes, there's some kind of reward that comes. And then all of a sudden, you're looking back over here and the cycle begins again. Because it was like, if all of that doesn't work and the person still doesn't have dominance and control, he's like, betray them. They'll do something secretive. He's like, they'll they'll really try to take you out at the knees emotionally. It's like, whether it's a conscious betrayal, sometimes betrayal is not kind of conscious. Somebody really feels stuck. They don't want to lose their family. And, you know, they feel so suppressed within themselves that they'll go out and like have an affair. There's not an intention to want to harm their spouse or the family. That doesn't make it right. But what Yeshua is really alluding to is like flat out betrayal, which is lack of transparency. They just completely rips your heart out with some sort of an action was taken. So that one, that one is the fifth, and I'm not going to go too deeply into it because he did a whole transmission about it last June. And then the next, oh, yes. And then he's like, and if that doesn't work, why don't we just go for good old fashioned violence? So the sixth one is, is violence. Actually, it comes that rage just cannot be contained, that fear and the rage against that perception of separation or inclusion within the world, it just bursts. And all of a sudden there's violence. So in really with wars, the escalation of all of the stuff that actually leads to that very violent moment of, of a, let's say, um, invasion or a bombing or something else, it takes a lot of, of the shadow and the control and the loss of control and the fear to get to that point of human power where real violence is actually asserted. However, it's part of our primal biology. It's part of our animal brain. We even sometimes see, you know, little children, little boys punching one another, hitting one another. I'm sure that you know this. Um, as Jordan Peterson has said, usually it's women that tend to reach more for character assassination or um, emotional types of violence, humiliation. But boys, there's still that, you know, testosterone is, is growing and springing. So there is a little bit of that violent response. We have all been very violent to our environment. Mm-hmm. So all of us that are sitting here, and this has been a very hard pill for me to swallow, saying, oh, we would never do that. We're, we're evolved. We're civilized beyond that. We're very violent to our earth, 
to insects, to animals that are basically bred for slaughter. And I don't need to go deeply, too deeply into that, but that mechanism and that impulse is still there. And when in unawareness, it's a power switch that we and our ego think is turned off, but it's actually kind of still on. And we need to be careful about it as well as kind of the violent ways that we treat ourselves and, and our bodies, you know, with cleanses and detoxes and all of that sort of thing. It's, it's very, very violent for the body when the body is already such a resilient and natural, geniusly wise mechanism within itself. And then the final one, appropriation. That's the other way that some, someone can try to kind of mitigate you or try to control and dominate. They let you do all of the work and then they take credit for it. Or you build it, you take the big leap of faith to start this new company or this new thing. And then all of a sudden, Someone else swoops in and says, thanks, I'll take that from here. And there are times that, you know, maybe we create something and it's growing really big. We can't manage it and it's not bringing joy anymore. And we, you know, sell it or give it for a, you know, a transaction or an exchange. But what he's really speaking to here is when someone is like appropriating your words, appropriating your ideas without any degree of respect or recognition. And that leaves kind of this, you know, when someone is powered by control and is using appropriation of other people's stuff, it leads to a lot of resentments and betrayal. Betrayal, that sense of feeling betrayed. There are three reasons why people betray or why we betray. Ignorance, denial, or resentment. So when a lot has been appropriated from a person and they're not just even given credit or, you know, a handshake or a high five or recognition on how awesome they're doing, that can lead to a lot of resentment that kind of builds and, and festers and eventually it is going to explode at some point in time. So those are the seven. That's, those are the seven. And they do each kind of I wasn't sure about this, but I kind of thought that maybe the bribery one corresponds maybe to breed on the sins list. I've been trying to kind of match them up a little bit and it's, you know, that's a very subjective type of process, but, you know, for the imbalances of the mind, I would say wrathful wisdom probably correlates with, I would say maybe the physical violence one, yeah. but yeah. No, I think it's for each person to to go through that and and to kind of see. Yeah. Withholding feels like greed. Bribery and temptation feels like lust. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna think about it. It's interesting. Yeah. Pride, like maybe appropriation feels like envy. That's that's a good one. I, I definitely agree with you on that. I'll have to go through it and take a look. But I remember in December when, when Yeshua mentioned these, and after he mentioned them all, the energy in the room was so heavy. And he's like, do you feel that energy in the room? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And he's like, I did that for a reason. And then he like took all of it 
and he like flushed it down an imaginary <laughs> and then we we moved on into into community and into the dynamics and structures of the new era I'm not going to go too, too deeply into this dynamic of all the planets now moving into Aquarius. And, and on, as of March 23rd of 2023, when people talk about this being the new era or the era of Aquarius, like the songs from the 60s, there, there's a shift that is happening. Away. This is actually not like the new era that I've spoken of. It's not some like loosey-goosey type of thing. It doesn't era shifts don't happen overnight. They're not completely linear. You know, one day we wake up and we're over here and the next day we wake up and in a totally different frequency and wavelength. But there is a progression as well as some defining moments. The one I want to focus on for purposes of this discussion is Pluto because Pluto is the only planet that hasn't made the transition into Aquarius like all of the other planets. So over the, these past three years, every single one of the other planets has moved along out of, you know, Capricorn and into the Aquarian type of dynamic. And Aquarian dynamic is all about transparency. And Aquarius can be a little bit androgynous, which is interesting because we, this new era is all about masculine and feminine balance. Aquarius is very much about consciousness, accessing new wavelengths of consciousness. So many have called this era the era of Christ consciousness. Thus far, we've been kind of in a 2,000-year era of Jesus consciousness. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving it into Christ consciousness. And that is very, very different. Yeshua, the man, realized that Christed essence of light moved into form and gave us a pathway through the offerings in his life to realize that within ourselves through the death of the separate self and that resurrection into the divine self but we got a little bit lost in the man <laughs> instead of the spirit when he resurrected he was in spirit and so it is the spirit of this consciousness that is the realization of of the universal Christ or the universal Sophia. So Aquarius is very much about this dynamic of the blending of masculine and feminine. It's a lot about community, co-creation, transparency. Where we've been is in a very either Piscean or Capricorn type of dynamic. So Pluto right now has been lodged for about 20, 20 something years because it's a very slow moving planet. It's been wedged in Capricorn for some time. We, some of you may have heard, I'm, I'm not a huge astrology person, but this transition is really important as it has had a history and past global events is really shaking up a lot of change. But um, Pluto, Pluto moves slowly and so it makes a transition like a Saturn return. For those of you that know a little bit about astrology, we have a Saturn return about every 30 years. And it's really 
new evolution or an, or an upgrade within our lives or a change within our lives during that cycle. Pluto, we don't have a Pluto return because we don't live long enough for Pluto to have a return in our, say, 50, 60, 100 years on this planet, depending on what it is. Pluto makes a full transit within about every 248 years. So the last time that Pluto made this transition out of Capricorn and into Aquarius was the Revolutionary War, the creation of the Constitution, and the formation of the United States. So we as individuals don't have a Saturn return, but a country can have mm. a Saturn return. And this is the Saturn return or the or the Pluto return for the United States of America, which is kind of a big deal. It doesn't surprise me that last time that this happened, that the United States was created because the movement out of Capricorn, which is very individual work oriented, perfectionism is a huge part of Capricorn. Do everything right, produce, produce, but there's kind of this like, the perfectionism is a problem for Capricorn because it also tends to cause a dynamic where people swallow their pain or swallow their shame down and kind of leave it as this separate festering part of self that is not a part of their evolution and their spirit. And so a lot of that needs to come to the surface during these periods where we are going through some kind of a Pluto transition. So of course the sovereignty, the constitution, equality, all of that came just as Pluto made this last shift into Aquarius. But what we're being confronted with now is that in the inception of this country, yes, it was sovereignty and freedom and rights, but mainly for white men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you had to be, have a certain amount of money, be a landowner, be a man, be white for the most part. And so now during this period, during this Pluto return that is happening has been over the past couple of years. And then these next three months are really the culmination ensued by a number of years where we're just going to kind of have to catch up with everything. This is the time where it's kind of like the things that we didn't get right. We need to start fixing, mm -hmm. not fixing, I would say, but opening up to new paths of exploration because we clearly we've learned at this point that we can't keep doing things the way that we have in the past for our environment for social rights workers rights children's rights reproductive rights the whole thing we need to make some shifts in order to sustain our evolution with the progress that we want to make. So we kind of all need to take a bit of a reset and a pause. I have said for some time, and this is why I'm excited about 2023 and these next couple of years, I have said that there is absolutely nothing that would get resolved while Pluto was still in Capricorn. So I have been like white knuckling it, just wanting to get Pluto out of the frequency of Capricorn. Not that there's anything bad, about it, science, technology, you know, math, all of that like structure of society, rules, legal structure, financial structure, 
Capricorn governs systems and structures. So some of the things that we maybe take for, for granted, like having our garbage picked up once a week, that's a, that's a Capricorn dynamic. That's a Pluto and Capricorn dynamic that we really need to be thankful for. So we don't wanna throw the baby away with the bathwater in a sense, but we do need to start kind of shifting things into more distribution of the light. Capricorn structures with Pluto, especially Pluto is the planet that governs death and transformation, which is really kind of one of the most important parts of the spiritual process or the evolution of consciousness. The Pluto and Capricorn dynamic is the light is held here by the systems and institutions mm. and the people have to come to those systems and institutions for justice, for their kernel of light, for their worthiness, for appeasing God, for, you know, money or social security or food in order to survive. There's no sharing within the community. People have to go to the system to get the food stamps or the whatever else. So there's a little bit of this kind of rift between within the Pluto and Capricorn dynamic where there needs to be a depth of this kind of codependent relationship that we have with certain structures and systems. And yes, we need a legal system, we need certain rules, but just like Judaic law in the time of, of Yeshua, just like Judaic law was becoming too complicated, too fussy, over-regulated everything, Yeshua was like, we're not gonna throw away Judaic law, we're going to refine and simplify it. So we need to make things simpler and also open ourselves to things more on the community level. Aquarius is very much about community and co-creation. So even the dynamic of certain spiritual circles, people are starting to say, I don't want the guru thing where the guru's up here and I'm down here. I would rather come into a group where we all meditate, where we all share some of our gifts. So that's why on journeys from the beginning, knowing that we were moving into this Aquarian era, I think that that's why spirit said there are no teachers or, you know, or leaders on journeys. You can guide people with the tools that you have as a medium and as a channel, but there's everybody is together in this you're participating in the journey alongside everyone else Carissa and that has been just fine with me and it's been really beautiful to witness how much people grab toward gravitate towards the land and to those equality based structures I'm not going to go as so far to say like egalitarian but Aquarius is all about kind of sharing the light in a sense it's all about resurrecting the light, very strong connections, kind of ecosystems, looking at the ways where we feel superior maybe to others or superior to our environment. Aquarius is like, this goes out the wayside. It has a very playful type of energy to it. And I like this because Pluto, you know, Pluto transitioning into Aquarius finally means that death and transformation, we're finally going to be able to say, this is not working. This structure needs to die. This structure needs to die. And there may be a series of years we, where we may find some things like, okay, instead of trying to cut quarters with the system, 
you know, say with Roe v. Wade, which, you know, didn't really have the legal back backing to be able to sustain in the long run. Let's do it the right way this time. Let's put women's, re women's reproductive rights in the Constitution, or let's not. There's going to be a lot of this tension between kind of these two different things that are flowing with some people who, especially those that really had it good in the Capricorn dynamic, like alpha males, did pretty well in, in, the, in the Capricorn. But there are going to be people that are really gripping on and still in that fear control spigot. But now more and more people are starting to move into this love trust spigot. And we need to have these co-creative dialogues without judging what the other side has to say. We see this a lot, especially in online communities. And this is what I love so much about Loretta Ross. Yeah. How she was saying, we need to listen. And this is some, we need to listen to hear what the other side is actually saying. And if we just start judging, it's going to escalate into irrational chaos that helps no one. We need to really be listening to what we may feel as opposition, because sometimes it's not actually really opposition. Or from that opposition, in our beliefs versus somebody else's beliefs, all that knowledge, we all think we know, we can come together to find the intersections of wisdom. And then things can really start flowing in a new direction. So this Aquarius, <laughs> especially with Pluto and Aquarius, I'm excited because this will very much lead to some new pathways, even for like mental health. So it's a very kind of Pluto, let's say somebody has cancer, death and transformation, some Pluto stuff that's going on in Capricorn. It's go to the oncologist, you know, mental health. Here's your diagnosis. You have this, here's your diagnosis. Here's the plan, you know, here's the pill for it. Capricorn tends to be like, oh, get rid of the discomfort as soon as possible. Oh, grief. Oh, oh, that's icky. Capricorns are like very perfectionist and they always look like they have their shit together. And I appreciate that so much about the gem of this sign that very many people have as part of a part of their chart. But Aquarius is more like, I'm going to have a Reiki astrologist crystal healer shaman and an oncologist like all at <laughs> once and really the, the, so, and a lot of kind of talking out through stories what we need to to uh, to go through the death and transformation and really good facilitators will be those who mirror back the moral to the person mm -hmm. that is telling the story so some of these sharing types of paradigms are a big part of it, but we have to avoid and every year that we have been moving towards this, this, this shift into everything in Aquarius with more social media, with more like YouTube and everything. It's been like clockwork, clockwork, more talking, more talking. Aquari Aquarius, everybody wants to talk. Talk, 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 talk. And so we need to be careful of that shadow tendency where it's like, see me, see me, hear me, hear me. You know, 
understands me all the time because that can re reinforce almost like a very dangerous, addictive, ego-driven energy field within people. And we need to be careful, you know, to check that and to create balance, especially for the youth of today with regards to that. But that's more of the ego kind of hijacking the aspects of Aquarius that are really more about talking things out in a way that brings resolution. So we need to take a pause. This is why I'm choosing 2023 for stillness. Taking a pause to focus on what is being said before just saying it. So that it's not just verbal diarrhea all the time. But a question for us moving into this age is, you know, do I need to say this? How can I say this? Why do I feel that I need to say this? And if we're listening, what is this person actually communicating? Not just mm -hmm. the words, but the energy. Everything that Yeshua has been teaching us about not just listening to the words or the visual or the audio, but what is the energy that this is ultimately powered by? Because that will help us to feel more compassion for one another, and it will allow us to live in more of that sovereignty, that balance between the vertical as well as the horizontal. The other thing that I wanted to mention about, so we're going to be going through a lot of different upgrades. The physical aspect of some of this movement kind of the light codes, what's opening up within the earth, some vortexes that have been very active are starting to go dormant. In old vortexes, old logos, old vortexes, pockets of the earth that have been dormant are starting to open again. And they're unleashing new energy. The earth's core has had some shifts. There have been some electromagnetic shifts that nobody can really explain. Solar flares, we are dealing with a whole new level of consciousness and our bodies are really struggling to integrate that. So balance with body is a huge one, especially moving into this next kind of, I would say three year cycle because we basically we need to get our shit together by the end of about 2026, 2027. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to go into some of my deeper, <laughs> deeper prophecies. And right now we're in a void or Yeshua talks about the voids and the freedom transmission. So I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but the alignments of where the collective consciousness and vibration is prior to a void is very different after. So just like if you've gone through a dark night of, of the soul or a period of a lot of change and loss out all at once, the vibration, the probabilities of what you attract before is very different after, especially if you've gone through a death and resurrection process. So what is available to you energetically with regards to community, with regards to service is very different after that process. So we're in a void right now. And we move out of the void in about March of this year. So we'll kind of 
at that point, I'll be able to have a little bit of a deeper sense of what the new collective alignments are going to be. But body care and allowing for whatever aspects of your old snail shell to crumble away that need to crumble and really exploring this new snail shell and, and, and assessing in a sense, this is where we are right now, these next couple of months, really assessing what aspects of the old snail shell you might want to take with you or to create a path for in a whole new way. So this exploration type of energy is very, it's very intrepid and exploring some of the things that need to die through reaching for community and really resurrecting that light, that faith, that trust, that joy, that humor within you, that's, that will just launch you, catapult you right into where you need to be. So if you've been trying to create things and it's just been like, oh, stuck and this isn't working. We're not even in the new era yet. We've all gone through a lot over the past couple of years. Relax. 2023 is a great year for realization. There's a whole new momentum that is happening and this is really the first time that I've gotten the sense that we can start moving into deeper community, meaning mm. the coming of unity as a world. So I'll just say a <laughs> couple of like final take homes and I'll be discussing this Aquarian shift a little bit more as we go through these next couple of months and, and years. But transparency. So big thing, big one, transparency. Capricorn, Pluto and Capricorn is not the most transparent because systems and structures tend not to be the most transparent. They're too big and sprawling and, and unmanageable and unsustainable. So what we're going to have, and this is going to happen, it's already starting to, is a lot of transparency coming to the surface things that have kind of maybe been hidden or suppressed intentionally, not intentionally. A lot of truth is going to be coming to the surface. We've all had that over the past couple of years where all of a sudden these kind of just things out of, you know, we've all had to face these confrontations with all of this truth coming to the surface and what can we trust and what can we not trust and, how do I listen to my intuition and why am I feeling so emo today or tired today? There's just been a lot that's surfacing and we that has uprooted some of the structures in our lives from how we live to our daily routine, to how we're, to education, to things with our children and relationships. When Pluto makes this transition into Aquarius, there's going to be a lot of transparency surfacing. Studies coming out that were maybe withheld. I, I think a lot is going to be happening within the, the health landscape. Certain maybe things that, let's say, a promising cancer treatment that pharma's had very big interest in not wanting to get out there because it would you know, completely splinter the old archaic technologies that have been there up until now. Some of that coming to the light. 
things surrounding social media, the impact that it has on our brains, certain things surrounding mental illness and how how misdiagnosis of a child with ADHD that maybe just needs a different learning environment, how just the diagnosis can be traumatizing for the child and how to move beyond some of those types of labels. So there's going to be some transparency. And sometimes when we see transparency, we feel a little angry, like, whoa, that was pretty messed up. Why didn't you tell us this? So reaching for that compassion is important. We need to have our people to be in balanced relationships with our people. This is a good time to be checking in with people within your support structure, just saying, no, are we good? To make sure that, because sometimes we just assume that everything is kosher, and then all of a sudden we find out six months later that one of our close friends has been mad at us for some reason. And it's, so there's just time to kind of say, here are my needs, here are my boundaries, what are your needs? What are your boundaries? Because our needs and boundaries, the structures that we need to have trust and reciprocity in relationships, those can change over time. What do you need? Here's what I need. What are your boundaries? Here are my boundaries. Awesome. Let's move forward together. I'm really excited. So transparency is a big one. Sharing is a big one. But Yeshua mentioned one thing on the October journey that has really stuck with me. And he said, before you attempt to co-create with someone or with the divine, even with your own spirit, before you attempt to co-create, you need to be able to co-exist. Do not try to co-create with a person. <laughs> if you can't even coexist with them. If you can't be with them in the vertical, if you don't even wanna be with them, how can you do anything with them? And it's not that we're, you know, we need to coexist with one another. You know, for a Democrat, they may, might not even want a, a, a Republican to exist on the planet and, and vice versa. But we need to be able to coexist because once we can be with one another, then we can start looking at some ways to do things, even if our beliefs and, and mindsets are very different from the other person. You know, a Democrat and a Republican, they may not believe at all the same things at all, or a Muslim and a Christian, but maybe they both love to fish. So let's not focus on that. Let's focus and go fishing. That's kind of what I'm alluding to with regards to let's find the coexistence before we start trying to race into co-creation. And this is especially true marriages and when you're creating new vehicles, new businesses. Can you coexist with spirit? Then you'll be able to co-create with spirit when trying to do things with other people or with a community or support system. Can I coexist with this? Great. Then let's graduate on to the co-creation and not the other way around. And the final thing that I'm going to say, Aquarian 
is very fast paced energy. It's air, air dynamic. Capricorn is very grounded, earthy, do your homework, here's your abacus. <laughs> I'm being a little bit dramatic in, in how I'm sharing this, but Aquarian is like, bell rings, throw all the papers up into the air, like, let's go have a party. It's very like Renaissance, explore space, technology, those are all things that are part of Aquarius. So we need to be very careful to stay grounded so that we can take the best of the Piscean, Capricornian type of era and add that into this beautiful air energy of sharing and space and consciousness and possibilities and all of the neuroscience that's going to be spilling forth that is part of the Aquarian dynamic. So my reminder always to people as we're moving into these next months, Aquarian, breathe Aquarian. Breathe. <laughs> Stop talking. Breathe. Breathe together. That is a form of communication. It brings you right back to that origin it's not not breathing like this past era or <laughs> racing like the new era dynamic as we move into this this aquarian age this new era of the realization of the universal christ within us all regardless of, of religion the universal sophia the light that is a part of the sovereignty and the essence of what we really truly are powered by when we leave this planet and go home at the end of the day. Breathe. Be breatharian in the Aquarian era and you'll find that you find the perfect balance, receive a lot more validation and really feel that inspiration that motivates you even to be an emissary, a vessel, and a carrier of these new light codes on planet earth so that we can live in deeper balance and harmony with one another and with spirit and of course our earth and the ecosystem beautiful thank you well i won't keep you all any longer I hope you break this episode up there is so much in there and I'm so glad we started with the sacred heart and that reminder of stillness surrender stability so important I definitely feel like there's been just an onslaught going into 2023 whereas usually we all reemerge maybe a little bit less like overfull sponges and instead it seems like we're still many of us are stuck in overwhelm so I'm going with stillness too and silence so to that end I will see you next week thanks for listening to this week's episode you can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at the 
please sign up for my newsletter, I Promise I Won't Spam You, or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunan to get updates on new episodes. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, i.e. wherever you're listening right now. I also want to thank you in advance for sharing any episodes with friends you think might like the show because that is how podcasts grow. I want to give a shout out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Serena Reagan, Mary-Kate McDonough, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes, and to Valero Duvall for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week.